Have you ever felt as if God has forgotten about you? Have you ever felt trapped in a situation and what makes it worse is that you see other people who were once in your position now making progress and achieving the things that you'd like to achieve but it feels as if you have been left behind. Well surely that describes Joseph in this part of God's word. Joseph has received amazing promises from God, uh, though it seems a long time ago now. Uh, Back in chapter 37, his dreams had pictured all his brothers bowing down to him. And yet those same brothers had sold him as a slave and he'd ended up far away in Egypt. As he puts it here in verse 15, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. In Egypt, he'd been bought by a man called Potiphar, Potiphar who who worked for Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph had proven trustworthy and reliable, and Potiphar had come to rely on him for just about everything, up until the moment that Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of trying to take advantage of her. And from there, he'd ended up in prison. By now, the dreams he'd had in younger life must have seemed like a cruel joke. He, He had pictured his life Uh, turning out one way but it had turned out very differently and by the end of this chapter it's even worse because he's seen someone who who has spent time in prison alongside him get out and get his old job back and Joseph is still there Joseph asked the cupbearer to speak to the king on his behalf but the weeks turned to months and then to years The cupbearer forgets Joseph and it seems like God has forgotten Joseph too. Maybe you can remember a time when you thought that your life was about to change for the better. Whether it was a job interview that had gone really well and the interviewers had even said as much and you were just waiting for the phone call to confirm that you'd got it. Or you were in a relationship that looked as if it was really going somewhere Or you had an opportunity to move to a new place and start fresh. But the phone call never came. The relationship ended suddenly. The dream opportunity fell through. It seemed that everything worked out perfectly for those around you. But you were left behind. And that's Joseph here. So how does he react? Well amazingly he doesn't react with bitterness or gloomy pessimism he doesn't fall into despair but instead he keeps on faithfully serving God and this chapter has much to tell us about serving God in circumstances that are less than ideal with three headings tonight three reminders of things not to do when we're in circumstances like Joseph was in Uh, Three things he would have been tempted to do uh, but didn't. Uh, Three things that that we'll be tempted to do as well. But but by God's grace uh, we must resist that temptation. And the first reminder tonight is don't miss the people God has put in front of you. When you're in circumstances that are less than ideal. Don't miss the people who God has put in front of you. When we experience disappointment, the easiest thing in the world is to turn in on ourselves. Boys and girls, I'm not sure if you've ever seen a hedgehog roll into a ball. I'm not sure if you've ever seen a, seen a hedgehog. Uh, but if you haven't seen a hedgehog roll up, uh, I'm sure your mum or dad can find a, a video of it. Uh, 
That's what hedgehogs do when they're frightened. They, they, they curl up into a ball. Just like tortoises pull their head and legs into their shell. And we can be a bit like that. When we're sad, we just want to curl up in a ball. Uh, when you're sad, uh, boys and girls, you probably just want to go up to your room and close the door. And when big people are sad, a lot of the time we just want to be by ourselves or with one or two others. We don't want to help other people. And Joseph is sad in this chapter. He doesn't want to be in prison. He's doing all that he can to try and get out of prison. But he doesn't curl up in a ball and forget to notice the, pe- the needs of the people around him. Uh, for, the, for the rest of us, I think a, a lot of people think that believing God is sovereign is the same as fatalism. That you end up shrugging your shoulders and saying, whatever will be, will be. If God wants this situation to change, he'll change it. But for now, I'm stuck with it. But that's not Joseph here. We'll come back towards the end and look in more detail at his request to the cupbearer. But look what he says here in verse 14. Please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house. So it's not as if he's just resigned to his fate. He's doing all that he can to get out of there. I read, I read a book recently about a, a lady in Scotland in the 1700s and she was exiled to the island of St Kilda and she was there for 10, 15 years and, and she would try, she wasn't allowed anything to, to write with. Uh, she, was, she spoke English, no one around her uh, spoke, spoke English but she, she tried uh, when she had opportunity to, to sneak letters off the island. Uh, when she saw opportunities to try and, and alert people to the fact that she was being held hostage on this remote island, she took them. Uh, and Joseph too looks for opportunities to get out of, of, of the prison that he's exiled in. So... It's not as if he's resigned to his fate. He's doing what he can to get out. Even though God is blessing Joseph in prison, it's not somewhere he wants to stay. He believes God is sovereign, but he's also doing what he can to get out of there. But in the meantime, look how he acts. Even while he's in a place he doesn't want to be, even at the same time as he's looking for opportunities to get out of there, He's also looking around him at the needs and opportunities that are before him. And he doesn't miss the people that God has placed in front of him. We read in verse 5 that on the same night, both the cupbearer and the baker dream dreams. And in the morning, they're both clearly troubled. The only other place in the Bible this word uh, for troubled is used is in the book of Daniel. When the chief eunuch is worried that if Daniel and his friends don't eat the food that they're given that they will look worse than the others their own age Uh, so so it's a word that speaks of being troubled in a way that other people can see it Uh, that you can tell by looking at them that there's something different about them something unusual about them uh, in a negative way there's something not right and joseph isn't so caught up with himself and his own problems that he doesn't notice 
sin, uh, our, our natural uh, sinful natures, that they make us turn inward. And But for God's grace, suffering will make that tendency worse. Suffering turns us in on ourselves. Our own worries, our own concerns become all-consuming, leaving us with little time or energy to think about others. But I'm sure you have known Christians for whom that's not the case. Uh, Maybe a a Christian who has been maybe in in a wheelchair for most of their life. uh, And yet they're always, always thinking about others. And it's the same with Joseph here. Verse 6 and 7. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with, with him, Why are your faces downcast today? Maybe you know what it is to be struggling and no one has noticed. Perhaps you've, you've even taken a risk and asked someone to help you. And they've said, look, I'd love to help you, but I just have so much going on in my life right now. I have too much other stuff to deal with. But not Joseph. Even though he would rather be anywhere than this prison, he doesn't miss the people God has put in front of him. And maybe we think... Well, when God brings the right type of people into my life, then I'll help them. When God brings more people into the church my own age or who have the same sort of interests, then I'll get more involved. Or when God brings people into my life who are more likely to listen to the gospel, then I'll evangelize more. We wouldn't say it out loud, but deep down we think as soon as God brings the right people into my life, then I'll serve them. I'll be ready to witness to them when they come along. But actually what God calls us to do is serve the people he has already put in front of us. What is it about these Egyptian prisoners that makes Joseph decide to ask them what's wrong and then to help them? Well, quite simply, it's that they're the ones God has put in front of him. So often we want to serve God on our terms. When God brings the right people into my life, then I'll help them. But Joseph here, he doesn't hold out for another Hebrew to somehow end up in prison. He doesn't say, God, as soon as you bring someone from my own country, as soon as you bring someone who's gone through the exact experiences I've gone through of being uh, taken as a slave and and sold, uh, then I'm your man. If Joseph had said that, he would have missed out the very people that God in his sovereignty had put in front of him. Sometimes you hear of two people who've grown up together and they end up getting married. But it's not like they've been childhood sweethearts. Even though they'd known each other well, maybe even been good friends, they'd never thought of each other in that way. But eventually they get together and maybe he says, she was in front of me the whole time and it took me this long to see it. And sometimes we can be so busy looking for an opportunity to serve God that ticks all our boxes that we can miss the people who are in front of us right now. In times of discouragement, in times when you feel that your circumstances are less than ideal, Fight the temptation to withdraw into yourself. Because if you do, the chances are that you'll miss the very people that God in his providence has put in front of you right now. So firstly, tonight, don't miss the people God has put in front of you. 
God has put people in front of, of all of us. Don't, don't miss them. Secondly, don't miss the opportunities God gives you. Don't miss the opportunities God gives you. We would serve God better if our circumstances were different. It's what we often tell ourselves, isn't it? Ministers tell themselves that. Church members tell themselves that. Ministers can say, well, if my congregation were bigger or more enthusiastic, then I'd serve God better. Church members can tell themselves, if my family situation were different, then I'd be more committed to God. Both can say, if we lived in a place where people were more interested in the gospel, then we'd serve God more enthusiastically. But what we need to understand is that there's no ideal place to serve God other than the place he puts us down. There is no ideal place to serve God other than the place God sets us down. I think of the Apostle Paul's charge to Timothy. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. How much of that is dependent on circumstances? Well, none of it. Be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Circumstances don't come into it. And something that stands out with Joseph here is that he serves God in exactly the same way when he's in prison as he did when he was in Potiphar's house. We can see that if we compare the start of chapter 39 to the end of the chapter. Uh, yeah, we're going, so we're going back to the, the previous chapter, but it, does, it sets the scene for what happens here in chapter 40. Uh, and if we do that, we see uh, how Joseph serves God in exactly the same way in both places. Uh, as we saw last week, the foundation of it all is that the Lord was with Joseph. Chapter 39 verse 1 says that the Lord was with Joseph in Pot- or sorry, verse 2. Uh, the, the Lord was with Joseph uh, when he was in Potiphar's house. And then verse 21 says that in prison the Lord was with Joseph. Chapter 39 verse 4 says that Joseph found favour in the sight of his master. uh, That is Potiphar. And here and then in verse 21 it says that God gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So God is with him. God is with him. He finds favour. He finds favour. Verse 4 says that Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of all that he had. And verse 22 says that the keeper of the prison puts Joseph in charge of all that he has, or in charge of all the prisoners. Verse 6 says of Joseph that Potiphar had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. And verse 23 says the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Verse 3 says that in Potiphar's house the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Uh, And then the last sentence of the chapter says that in prison, whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So what we have described here are two very different spheres of service for Joseph. Potiphar's house is maybe not the ideal place where where Joseph would like to be, but, but life there is night and day different from life in prison. But in both places, Joseph serves God in exactly the same way. 
<coughs> and as those verses make clear, the emphasis isn't on what Joseph did, but, but on the fact that God was with him. Uh, and that Joseph did this uh, by God's grace. And what that tells us is that the worst thing about acting as if we would serve God better if our circumstances were different is that it is a denial that God is present with us now just as much as he would be in any other circumstances. It's a denial of the fact that God is with us in less ideal circumstances just as much as he would be in whatever we think our ideal circumstances are. There are no ideal circumstances to serve God. But that doesn't matter because whatever the circumstances, God will be with us. Isn't that amazing? Whatever the circumstances, God will be with us. And even if, if things did work out in our lives exactly as we hoped they would, God wouldn't be any more with us then than he is now. And so, knowing that God is with him, Joseph is on the lookout for opportunities. So when Joseph asks his fellow prisoners what's wrong, and they say, well, we've had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. Joseph doesn't say, oh, oh, that's too bad. I wish there was someone to help you. He doesn't say, well, you know, I had dreams once too, but it didn't really work out. Uh, Joseph isn't a man who, who's disillusioned. He simply says, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. And in God's providence, Joseph has exactly what these men need. If God is speaking to you in a dream, Joseph is the one guy on the planet that you want to be sharing a cell with. Because he is exactly what they need. And do you, do you realise that, that you have exactly what others need as well? What's the one thing that these two prisoners need on that particular morning? They need someone who can interpret their dreams. And what's the one thing that every unbeliever you will come into contact with this week, come into contact with this week needs? They need the gospel. And you can do for them, what maybe no one else in their whole life can do, and that is tell them it. Now, most of them don't know that the gospel is what they need. The, the, the prisoners, they, they know they need someone to interpret their dreams. Most people will meet, they don't know that they need the gospel. They're unlikely to come out and ask you, what must I do to be saved? But behind all the disorder and hurt of their life is a problem of sin, either their own sin or sin committed against them. Behind all their unfulfilled longings and desires is the fact that as human beings made in God's image, we were made to know him. Behind their sense of emptiness is a spiritual void that needs filled. Just like Joseph, we have exactly what people need. And so our biggest problem isn't, or our biggest need isn't to pray for opportunities but to pray that God would help us take them. That he would help us see how the things people say to us are actually connected to a deeper spiritual longing. 
We also need to pray that the Holy Spirit would help us get to Jesus quicker. It's so easy, isn't it, to talk about church to unbelievers without talking about Jesus. Without talking about what he, he's doing to change our lives and to change other people's lives. But look how quickly Joseph gets to God here. Do not interpretations belong to God? This is a man who, as we saw last Sunday night, realises that he's living every moment in the presence of God. And just like he'll do with Pharaoh two years later, he takes every opportunity to draw the attention to God and not himself. And notice as well, just in a word or two, how Joseph isn't afraid to tell people bad news as well as good. After the baker hears the interpretation of the cupbearer's dream, he thinks, happy days. He asks Joseph to interpret his dream as well, but it's not good news. While the cupbearer's head is going to be lifted up in the sense of being restored to office, the baker's head is going to be lifted up in the sense that he's going to be hung on a tree. Imagine having to tell someone that. And we can be sure that Joseph takes no delight in it. But the dream is God's word. And Joseph, having been asked by the baker what God's word to him is, must be honest. And we must be honest as well when it comes to the question of what will happen to people if they don't trust in Christ. If they continue on as they are. One very simple gospel outline, which I've worked through with a number of people in the church, goes like this. It's got five steps. God, man, Christ, what if you do, what if you don't? God, man, Christ, what if you do, what if you don't? Start with God as creator, uh, then goes to, to man as created in God's image, but now fallen and sinful. Then it goes to, to Christ and what he has done to redeem us. And then it finishes with what if you do believe in him and what if you don't? And we can't skip that last bit. Joseph here brings the whole counsel of God and so must we. So your circumstances right now may not be what you would have chosen. But if you're his, God is present with you. He'll give you opportunities to speak about him. And he'll also give you opportunities to serve in the church. Maybe you think there's nothing for me to do in the church. There aren't any areas of service for me. But nothing could be further from the truth. There are so many opportunities to serve. So many opportunities to look out for people in the church who are on their own. So many opportunities to have even one person around for a meal. So many opportunities to ease the burden of others who are at or beyond their limits. Don't be the person who effectively says, unless I can do this particular thing that I want to do in this particular way, I'm not going to serve. Service in the kingdom of God isn't about serving on our own terms. It's about taking the opportunities that God in his providence puts in front of us. And if you can't see many opportunities in front of you, please talk to me, talk to your elders. Our biggest problem is not lack of opportunities. It's that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
So in circumstances that may be far from what you would have chosen, don't miss the people that God has put in front of you. Don't miss the opportunities God gives you. Thirdly and finally, don't think God has forgotten you. Maybe this is above all what someone needs to hear tonight. Don't think God has forgotten you. We saw at the start how much of a temptation it would have been for Joseph to think that at this point God has forgotten him. His high hopes for the future have been dashed as his brothers sell him into slavery. His flourishing career under Potiphar has been brought to an abrupt end and now he's languishing in prison. And then his sense of despair, or at least his temptation to despair, would have got even worse when the cupbearer gets out. Because they say it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. He asks the cupbearer to speak to Pharaoh on his behalf, and it doesn't happen. Maybe you've waited excitedly for the postman to deliver a parcel. You haven't known exactly what day the parcel is coming, but... But you think it's on the way. And every time you see the postman you're excited. Uh, Every time a parcel is delivered you're excited. Because you think this might be it. This might be what I've been waiting for. But every day it doesn't come. And every day you're disappointed. And that's nothing to what Joseph would have been like here. It's not hard to imagine that Joseph would even have read his encounter with the cupbearer as God's providential way of getting him out of prison. We, we try to read providence so much of the time and, and often it's not the, the most helpful thing to do. Uh, you can imagine Joseph here saying, well, well, surely God has brought this cupbearer into my life so I can get out of this prison. And yes, I'll say to him to remind me to Pharaoh, and this must be, surely this is God's plan. Uh, God has made these great promises to me. He's provided a way out now, so, so surely this is it. And actually, all that was, was true. On one level, that, that the cupbearer was Joseph's way out of prison. But it's not going to happen for another two years. As we thought about this morning, God's timescale is often different from ours. God's timetable is often a lot slower than what we wish it would be. In the meantime, the cupbearer forgets all about him. And the knock on the door telling Joseph that he can go free never comes. But by God's grace, Joseph doesn't despair. We see from his first words to Pharaoh two years later that his hope is still in God he doesn't despair and so how can we keep from despairing in similar circumstances how can we keep from despairing when it looks for all the world like God has forgotten us how can we keep from despairing when those around us get their happy endings and we don't Well, the only way to keep from despairing is to look to the cross. To look to the cross, reminding ourselves, as the Apostle Paul did, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And there are a number of ways that this chapter points us forward to the cross. 
We thought last Lord's Day evening of how Joseph in prison is numbered with the transgressors, just as it was said of the Lord Jesus. There's also the fact that with the cupbearer and the baker, the innocent Joseph is placed alongside two criminals, just as Jesus would be in the cross. Not one criminal in this chapter, not three criminals alongside Joseph, but two. Uh, and, and two criminals who would have very different outcomes. The word translated in verse 1 of the chapter, committed an offence, it's the word normally translated sin. It's the same word that Joseph uses in the last chapter when he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Joseph, the one who hasn't committed the sin he's accused of, is placed alongside two others who had committed the sins they were accused of. And they could have said to each other, as one of the thieves on the cross did, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. But there is another connection to the cross that I want us to see here, that I think we're meant to see here as we draw things to a close. And that is Joseph's request to the cupbearer. What does Joseph say to him in verse 14? Remember me. Remember me. Only remember me when it is well with you. And does that not remind us of words not spoken by Jesus, but spoken to Jesus? As the thief on the cross went on to say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In fact, the exact same word for remember is used in both places. Uh, The word used in the Greek version of the Old Testament in Genesis 40 is used again in Luke 23. So a very similar request is made. In both cases, someone who is just about to be exalted is, is asked to remember someone else. The cupbearer is asked to remember Joseph. And Jesus is asked to remember the thief beside him. Very similar requests, but but very different outcomes. Joseph says to the cupbearer, remember me, but the cupbearer forgets him. The thief says to Jesus, remember me, Jesus remembers. That very day, the thief goes to be with him in paradise. And we too can be confident that Jesus won't forget us. Isn't that how we become a Christian in the first place? If you're not yet a Christian this evening, if you haven't yet believed in Jesus Christ for for the first time, all you have to do is pray, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You boys and girls can remember that. Jesus, remember me. You can pray that tonight. Jesus, remember me. And he will. If you're already a believer this evening, do you think that now that he's been exalted, that Jesus has forgotten you? Your saviour is no cupbearer who's going to forget you. He's the king himself. He hasn't forgotten you. Even tonight, he's praying for you. Maybe you feel so, so broken, so, so disappointed, so buffeted by the winds and waves of life that, that you feel you, you can scarcely pray for yourself. That might be true, but he is praying for you. 
Isaiah tells us of people who said, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. And how does the Lord reply? Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. In Joseph, we have someone who points us to our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And in the cupbearer, we have someone who is a great contrast to him. The cupbearer forgot about Joseph, but Jesus will never forget about you. And so if you find yourself in tough circumstances tonight, if you find yourself in circumstances that are far from what you would have chosen, it's not wrong to try and change those circumstances If you can do that while honouring God. It's not wrong to pray that God would change your circumstances. But in the meantime. Don't miss the people God has put in front of you. Don't miss the opportunities God gives you. And don't think God has forgotten you. Amen. Well we'll sing a a psalm now that reinforces that God has not forgotten us and is always with us. Psalm 139, Psalm 139, uh, on page 341, we'll sing the first five verses. Psalm 139, uh, tune is Holly, number 15, uh, page 341. One of the themes of these last two chapters is that God is with Joseph, even in less than ideal circumstances. He's with Joseph just as much in Potiphar's house as he is uh, with him in prison. He's with Joseph just as much when Joseph is in Israel as he is in Egypt. And God will be with us too. He, he promises that here, verses 4 and 5. Where can I from your spirit be? Where from your presence can I flee? You are in heaven if there I fly, and in the grave if there I lie. If I the wings of morning take, the seas far side my dwelling make, Even there your hand, my guide will be. Your right hand will take hold of me. God is present with you tonight. Whatever your circumstances are, whatever your circumstances may be this week, God will be with you too. Every step of the way. So verses 1 to 5, Psalm 139. uh, We'll stand to sing praise.